0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. I'm
1: going to say it again. Are you ready for this? All right. All right. So we're going to dig into God's Word. We're going to continue on with our series called Wildfire. Wildfire. Wildfire is, um, we're just taking a look into the book of Acts and that early church, how it was uh, just spreading, growing like a wildfire all across the world, and, and, uh, and you know we, we're, we're just looking at that whole, that whole process. And today we're going to talk about why we need spiritual leaders in our life. Uh, I referenced a week or two ago how because this church was growing so fast, and, and for those of you that are new, <clears throat> we've been talking about how a lot of times we have in our mind This concept of the early church, the very first church 2,000 years ago, that it was probably some little, you know, small little church, little grassroots movement, you know, home groups and things like that, and and it definitely had that aspect to it, but there was so much more. In fact, the very first church meeting that they had grew the church in size from 120 to 3,000 people, 3,000 people overnight. Let's start a church, 3,000 people show up. That's, that's a big church, right? I mean, that's a big church by today's standards, much less, you know, 2,000 years ago, ancient world, third world standards. And so, I mean, it, it became this massive movement across the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that, uh, that they, he was adding to their number every single day. The church just continued to grow. And then you fast forward a couple chapters later, and it stops using the word addition, and it starts using the word multiplication, that the church was just multiplying, and so we are talking several thousand people, probably upwards of five, six, seven, eight thousand people. That this church just kind of just exploded to. Okay, now at this point in time, uh, the disciples, the tw- or the apostles, the twelve apostles that had you know really learned un- at the feet of Jesus, had uh, they were leading the church. Twelve people leading thousands of people, thousands. And it became just too much for them. And so we look at, you know, like I kind of referenced a week or two ago, this kind of administrative nightmare that they were going through. And, uh, and so they come up with a solution. That's what we're going to read about today. But we, do, we all do need spiritual leaders in our lives. Now, I know for some of you, I can see uh, some of you have a little twitch uh you, you you got a little thing going and your eyes kind of twitching because it's an off in a nfl week there's not really a good game on today and um and so i, I feel your pain so to help you kind of alleviate that we, we got this clip it's it's, it's a uh, um one of my favorite pastors a guy in, in the dallas area named uh, matt chandler he's interviewing the dallas quarterback tony romo hold your booze and uh but anyway he's interviewing tony tony romo watch this interview
0: it seems like in in the conversations i've had with you that the lord has has put some just some guys, whether it was your friend in yeah. college or I know you play ball with some guys out at, at Prestonwood and I, I think Shivers and, and you have a great relationship and yeah. we've been able to talk some it seems like uh, the Lord's very graciously just put guys around you that can, I, I know you're soon to be father-in-law Tony's getting married like in a week or two Yeah. Um, and so um, Yeah, yeah. I don't, why would you whistle at that, that was just odd <laughs> yeah he's marrying somebody else <laughs> anyway <that's, laughs> I'll let you deal with that on your own time but <laughs> um, it, it seems like that, that the Lord's been very faithful to put guys in your life to kind of um, shape you and, and speak into you and walk with you in, in, in ways. Why don't you talk a little bit about just kind of how that's occurred and, and where those guys have kind of, where you met up with those guys, how, that, how yeah. those things have kind of occurred? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, I was talking to someone just before I came out here just about your life kind of, you know, we live in a world and, and I'm just like everybody else where we want everything right now or we want something great to happen to us right now we want this to be uh, you know we want this to be our best year our best month we've ever had at work or these things and and for good reason because that's what drives us sometimes but you know when you look back on your life you really get an understanding of through these experiences whether it's failure or differing things that uh, made you go through some turmoil it kind of brought you to this position where you're at to understand certain things or to grow as a person or to be really whole in certain areas. And I think um, the people that have been brought into my life at different times have allowed me to kind of understand that, to, uh, to gain an understanding of where I'm trying to go or what I'm trying to be. And I, I guess I, I'm trying to get as just all these experiences that I've been through, you would never change them where you get to because you stuff's gonna happen in the time frame it's supposed to happen in we work our butts off we do the things we need to do to hopefully get there but when I look back you know I wouldn't change anything leading up and I have a funny feeling that things end up working out the way that they're supposed to yeah. and uh, we just need to be committed and, and stay strong in our faith and keep working hard And you know having people like Shivers and you and uh, father-in-law my dad you know a lot of different people have come into my life over time have allowed me to kind of gain that understanding and which allows you to keep going you keep going forward keep coming to the lord you know try and be that spiritual leader in your in your household that uh, people look to and you know out in the, the football area so you know that's just an understanding with all these people that have helped helped me in my life
1: all right so you know like if you're like me and like tony in that interview um you could probably, if you know, if you've been doing the Christian thing for any time at all, you can probably point to one, two, three, maybe a handful of people that you could identify as someone who really helped shape you spiritually, somebody who took the time to feed into you, to invest in you, to give you some words of wisdom, to help you along the way, to keep you encouraged, whatever it may be, and and that's what spiritual leaders do in our life, and we need spiritual leaders in our life. I, I, I can think of, uh, I was talking to a group of people the other night about how my favorite aspect of church life is um, the fact that I, there's a group of people, a body of believers, who I can go to that will help keep me encouraged. That will love me, uh, and and uh, and even sometimes like me. Um, that will uh, just just keep me lifted up and keep me on the right track. I need that because for me personally, I'm the guy that tends to get a little bit discouraged, and I need people that to help help me stay encouraged because uh, it's just it's just helpful to me. Now, I, I love that about church life. I, I can look, look back on certain leaders who have taken the time to invest in me and how thankful I am for that investment in my life. It goes all the way back to, you know, years and years ago. I've been a Christian since I was five. I started preaching when I was 16. And, and I mean, I just grew up in church. And that, that whole thing, I can, I can think back when I was growing up in Missouri, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> there, the church we went to, um, they had about every quarter, every three months or so, they would have what they called Youth Sunday. And on Youth Sunday, all the teens basically took over the church. And, and so, the, you know, all the teens were doing the greeting and taking up the offering, and, and they were uh, teaching the Sunday school classes and leading the music and, you know, that sort of thing. And, I mean, everything leadership, the teens just kind of did. And it was, it, for me as a, as a kid, I, I, I enjoyed that experience. But I remember one particular time, on, it was a Youth Sunday, And it was my job, I had been assigned the job of teaching the senior adult Sunday school class. I was like 14 years old, right? 14 years old. And I was scared out of my mind. I thought, this is crazy. Who am I to be teaching to all these old people? Because, uh, you know, when you're 14, everybody's old. And, and I was just like, who, who am I to you know give these guys a lesson? They should be giving me the lesson. But there was, you know, the teacher of that Sunday school class was this great guy named Randy, I remember. And, and, and he came around me. He he set up several meetings with me beforehand, and, and we got into the Word together and studied the lesson. And he kind of taught me this is how you ask the questions and this is what you do. And he just taught me the whole process. And so on that Sunday morning. Morning, when it was time for the senior adult Sunday school class, I got up and you know nervous and everything. I taught that Sunday school class, um, and and at the end, I thought, "Wow, that was you know that's something I could actually do." But it was it was a hard process. But just the fact that there was this guy that would invest in me the way he did was huge in my spiritual development. Huge. And other, other people who have come around me along the way that have done the same thing, I, they're, they're invaluable to me. And spiritual leaders are those people in our lives who can do that, can sometimes even say hard things to us, hard things that we need to hear but we don't want to deal with or whatever. And 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 I, whenever people do that to me, um, that is such a gift to me. It's a gift from God that somebody would love you and care. I mean, now this is let me, let me qualify this. I'm talking about the people that actually do love you. Okay. There are some jerks out there that love saying hard things to you. Um, and you can, you know, take them and, and, uh, you know, whatever, but, but, you know, it, you punch them in the throat and, um, and, but, but for those people that genuinely care about the, about you, that, you know, they have your best interest at heart when they have the, the courage and the love to speak hard truths to you. It is such a gift from God. It would be really easy for us to kind of take that and, and be offended by it or whatever else. But when we can take it and say, you know, I know you care about me, so there must be something to this, and you take it and you begin to pray about that and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through that, it, it is. It's a, it's a gift from God. It's God's way of, one of God's ways of, of helping us stay on track and stay close to him. We need those spiritual leaders in our life. So like I said, we're going to look at Acts chapter 6. <clears throat> Acts chapter 6. Go ahead and turn over there if you've got your Bibles. <clears throat> this is the, you know, we, we reached this crucial point in the, in the church's, church's early history where it was just overwhelming to these 12 apostles. They just couldn't do it by themselves anymore. And, uh, and that's where we're going to pick up the story and see what they did about it. <clears throat> Verse uh, 1, Acts chapter 6, says this, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, and by the disciples, it's not talking about the 12. It's talking about the whole body of believers. They were all considered disciples. When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. <clears throat> now, we got some strife going on, some issue, you know, there's some argument going on. Uh, you know, last week we took a look at this snapshot of church life that just looked like it was you know, idyllic and just this super healthy church and exciting thing to be a part of. But, you know, you just fast forward a few pages and, and suddenly, you know, it's starting to get off the rails a little bit and people aren't happy. And and, and let me kind of explain what was going on here. That these, these people called the Hellenists. Hellenists were uh, basically these Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, in fact, the, the fancy term for it is that they call them, pardon me, Jews of the Diaspora or the Dispersion. They were Jews who, who did not grow up in Israel or in Jerusalem. Instead, they grew up, they had dispersed throughout the world and they were growing up in other Greek speaking areas of the world. And the Hellenists were these uh, kind of Jews that weren't from around here type people, you know? And so, but they had moved back uh, to Jerusalem. They were now living there, sometimes maybe just visiting there for holidays and things like that. But, but these Hellenists that had now become Christians, Greek speaking Jews, Uh, began to feel like their widows, their people in need, weren't being taken care of in the same way that the Hebrew Jews were being taken care of. And this was a problem for them. And You may be thinking, well, why were they being taken care of? What was that all about? You remember last week in that passage, we read that they began to... Uh, sell their possessions and share with each other as anybody had need. And they began to, anybody that was hungry, anybody that was out of work, any, anybody that was a widow or an orphan or, or maybe a single mom or somebody like that, they began to rally around these people, supply for their needs and help them out because they loved each other and cared about each other so much. And it just felt like what Jesus would do, and so there began to be this daily distribution of food and supplies and needs that went out to people in need. And the Hellenists were saying, "It seems like the not, you know, the, the uh, homeboys are getting more, uh, you know, care for their people than us Greek speakers are getting care for our people," and they had a problem with that. <sighs> <Okay. laughs> All right, let's keep it reading. Uh, verse 2, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon. I don't know if that's Timon or Timon or what that is, but I'm Lion King guy, so I'm going with Timon. And um, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became, became obedient to the faith. So, again, this beef arises, you know, that our people aren't being taken care of. And the 12, it was their breaking point. When this happened, it was, they hit this breaking point. They were like, um, you know, what we're really called and gifted to do is to, is to teach. And we need to stay close to God in our prayer life and things like that. We need to be able to spend time preparing the word and leading the whole congregation spiritually and that sort of thing. And instead, all we're doing is serving food. And it's not right that what should be primary in our lives as your spiritual leaders has now become secondary because of all the busyness of the church that's going on. So what we want to do is recruit from among you seven good men who will help us in this responsibility. This was the first deacons of the church, the first deacons. So if you don't know, if you're new to church life, in the Bible, the Bible talks about kind of two different groups of spiritual leaders in church life. There are the elders, or sometimes called pastors, or sometimes called overseers, uh, these elders uh, are, are in charge of spiritual life, in charge of teaching, in charge of just care of the congregation, that sort of thing. And then, um, and then you have deacons that are in charge of meeting the felt needs of the congregation, You know, like, like in this example here that we just read about. Now, at Living Hope, we have elders, but we don't yet have deacons. I, I, I do believe we will have deacons soon someday. Uh, it's something that we are in conversation about. Uh, you know, to to uh, actually start de- having deacons and deaconesses in our church. But right now, we, we're not there. We just have the elders, okay? So that's where we are. But back then, the, now they had these two groups. And now, for, I don't know if you're like me, but you read that passage, and one of my first thoughts as I read it was, you know, that the, these apostles stood up and they said, it's not right that we we should be serving tables. We, we need to be praying and studying God's word. And, you know, that sort of thing. So we're going to promote some people up from among you to do that sort of thing. And if you're, again, kind of modern sensibility, if you heard it the way I heard it, I, it's kind of easy to hear or, or to kind of think, you know, who are these guys think they are? They don't have to do anything. They can just pray and read the Bible all the time. And, and, but that's actually, that's not really the attitude that th- these people had. In fact, the very next statement, it says, this pleased that congregation greatly. They loved the idea because they saw the value of giving those guys time to pray and to teach and to prepare and to lead them vision-wise and things like that. They saw the value in that, and they knew they needed that, but they also needed the other thing as well, and so so they they were highly pleased with that plan. We need spiritual leaders in our life. It's so important. It's so important. So I'm going to real quickly this morning kind of look at uh, four different reasons why we need spiritual leaders. So, if you got your uh, bulletins, you can fill in the blanks. Satan is unhappy when you fill in your blanks. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> All right. The first reason, the first reason that we um, that we need spiritual leaders in our life is this: they uh, help us with our blind spots. They help us with blind spots. That occasionally things come up in our life that we just can't see clearly, and they help us see those things more clearly. When I was a kid, uh, as, a, as a teenager uh, living in Missouri, uh, we lived in uh, kind of a small town, southern Missouri in the Ozarks, and if you've never been there, let me tell you a little bit about the Ozarks. It's just, you know, these wooded hill, hills everywhere. It's, it's a really beautiful country, and there's all these creeks and rivers that are flowing through these hills, and it's great fishing in, the, in these streams. And, and uh, we used to spend a lot, of me and my brothers used to spend a lot of time fishing. And I remember one time, it was a Saturday or something, we were out fishing with my dad, me and my brother Kenny. <laughs> we're out fishing, and it, it was a, a stream probably about as wide as from me to the back of the room. And I was on one side of the stream with my dad, and my brother Kenny was on the far side of the stream. And we're fishing this hole, and it was just a beautiful day. It was just awesome. And uh, But uh, Kenny was sitting on a log. There was a kind of a log, you know, that was... Um, um, you know, kind of going horizontal, and he's sitting on this log, and then right above his head was another log going horizontal, okay? And so we're fishing and having a good time, and all of a sudden, I'm standing next to my dad. My dad freaks out, and he's like, can he stop? And my brother is just like, what? What are you talking about? And he just keeps fishing and keeps fishing, and Kenny, I said, stop, stop doing what you're doing, stop casting, you know, that whole thing. He, he, I mean, he's just, my dad's in a panic, and I'm like, what in the world did my brother just do that he's getting yelled at, right? And what, was, what my dad could see that Kenny couldn't see was that right on top of this log right above his head, coiled up asleep, was a water moccasin, poisonous snake that my brother kept smacking in the face with his reel, Okay? And my dad became greatly concerned for the safety of my little brother, right? And and so this dangerous, you know, creature right above his head, and he's just beating it with the reel every time he casts. And now, th- this is the thing with us spiritually. A lot of times we find ourselves in the exact same situation, where we are surrounded by dangerous situations, but because we're so intimately involved in the situation, we either can't see the... The, the danger of that situation, or we can't see the big picture. And when we bring somebody else into our life for, for guidance, for advice, and we kind of tell them the story of what's going on, and they can take a, because they're not personally invested in it, they can take a more objective kind of, you know, bird's eye point of view and look into that situation and say, no, this is really what's going on. This is really what you need to do. This is what the, how the Bible would call you to act in that situation, you know, and kind of help you through that. That is invaluable, people. And you know what? If you're like me and you go to somebody for advice like that and they give you that advice that you really didn't want to hear, you knew it was the advice you needed to hear all all along. You just didn't want to hear it, you know? But we... But now, Now, here's the deal. My brother that day fishing... I'm sure sitting on the, he had found the perfect place to sit and fish. I'm sure he was extremely comfortable just sitting there on that log, not getting wet, you know, the whole thing. It was a nice shady spot. I'm sure he was. He could have like, dug in his heels and said, no, Dad, I'm staying right here smack, smack. You know, he could have just kept doing that. But instead, he, he, he realized that he was in danger, and, and he moved, and he moved. You can do the same thing. When you get that advice, you can dig in your heels. You can think, no, I know that's what I should do but this is what I'm comfortable doing. This is what feels right. And you can dig in your heels, but I'm telling you, you are increasing your danger the longer you stay in those situations. And you're, if, if you have wisdom that comes from God, you'll listen to spirit, the spiritual leaders that he's placed in your life. You'll listen to them. They help us. They help us see those blind spots. The next thing that they do is they stretch us. Our spiritual leaders stretch us. <coughs> I saw this um, report. Jamie and I watched it this week, that was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Um, did anybody see the report of this 20-year-old lady who stopped developing at two? Anybody else watch that video online? I, I'd like to tell you to look it up, but it's kind of disturbing. But, go, but yeah, you should see it. it this, this lady is the only person in the world who has this condition. Now, when I say she stopped developing at two, I don't mean her brain stopped moving forward. I mean, she literally looks like a two-year-old toddler and she's 20 years old. Her parents still push her around in a stroller and take care of her as if she was a two-year-old, but she's 20. She's 20. I cannot even begin to imagine what that would be like to have to deal with that. I, you know, especially with my little, our little kids, we've got four, two older and two younger And the little girls, as they begin to get older, and Isla started kindergarten this year, and I was just dreading it. I was like, oh, you know, it's all over now. She's going to become a brat and, you know, all those other hellion kids are going to influence her and everything, you know, and take away her innocence, and, and she's going to start talking back to me, and 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 that's all become true, and so, <laughs> and, and 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 it's, you know, as a parent, sometimes when you see your kids growing up and taking those steps forward, you're just like, ah, oh, just, just stay small, just stay little, and I can tell you, when I saw that report this week, all of that went out the window. I would never, ever wish that on my kid, ever. Why? Because even though there's a part of us that loves them when, when they're, you know, you know, that cute stage and that whole thing, you know, when they're helpless and we get to really take care of them and and that we also know that when they grow and when they move forward, it means they're healthy, right? It means everything's going as it should go. I I can't imagine if, you know, little two-year-old Meadow just became stuck right there for the rest of her life. Spiritually speaking, if we're not careful, we can get stuck. <clears throat> we can stop maturing. In fact, I'm just going to go out and say that that uh, without any faces coming to mind, just because I know of the size of the room, there are some of you in this room that are spiritually stuck. You've been Christians for years and years and years, and you're still behaving like a spiritual infant. Like the apostle Paul addresses this in one of his letters. He said, "He said you should be on the meat of the word, but instead you're still on the milk." You're still in the milk. Now, go back 2,000 years ago. This is before uh, bottles and formula, right? He's saying, you guys need to get off your mama. This is ridiculous. You need to grow up. You need to grow up. And for some of us, we need spiritual guides that will come around us and help us stretch and do uncomfortable things so that we can move forward and so that we can mature in our faith. We do the, if you're a parent in this room, if you're a good parent, you, you do the exact same thing for your kid as well. At some point, you take away the pacifier. At some point, you take away the bottle. You, you begin to wean them. At some point, you, uh, when they want to be carried, you, you make them walk because they can walk. Uh, you know, at some point, you you make them go to school so they can be, begin to learn and make kind of you know grow you know, get some independence and things like that at some point uh, you know as they even get older than that you make them leave the house and, and that that whole thing if you're a parent who is one of those parents that just does everything for I mean you sacrifice every one of your wants desires happiness needs for your kid you do everything for them you 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 make every decision for them you you never tell them no you are always I mean just just you do everything for them and other people would look at you and say you are a great mother you are a great father and i as your pastor will tell you today you are a horrible parent horrible if that is your parenting style you are an awful awful parent and you need to grow up why because it's not healthy You need to help them to grow up. You need to help them to move forward. Sometimes you need to even let them fail and then be a soft place for them to land when they do fail. But as they grow and as they stretch and as they experience life, if if you're the parent who is always doing everything, always solving every single problem for your kids, you are unleashing them onto society as grown-up brats. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) Thank you. We all appreciate it. No, seriously, stop it. Let them grow up. Help them grow up. Help them to stretch. Help them make good decisions to move forward and that sort of thing. That's how a good parent operates. You don't, you don't just, you know, throw them out in the street at two years old and say, good luck. You yeah, know, that's not how we do that. But you do just help them to grow. You treat a two-year-old like a two-year-old. You treat a 10-year-old like a 10-year-old. I mean, you know, you do the whole thing. You just help them move. Spiritually, we need leaders in our, in our lives too that will help us take some steps forward and help us stretch in ways that maybe are uncomfortable to us, maybe that make us a little fearful or whatever, but that helps us move forward and advance the ball down the field in our faith. We need that. We need that. It's good to be stretched. One of my favorite things to do as a pastor, favorite things to do, is when I can see potential, in somebody in our church's life that they can't see in themselves yet, and I help them realize that potential, not that there's anything magical about me. I just encourage them to take these steps of faith and stretch and try some new things. And It's amazing when that happens. It's, I, I love it so much. And we all need those guides who will help us do that. I've had leaders throughout my life that have, have talked to me about the kind of Settling into the comfort zone areas of my life, and and and, and challenge me to kind of step out of that and try some bigger, newer things. Bigger, newer things, and I'm so thankful for those men and women that have helped me do that. Why? Because it has helped me grow up spiritually. Guys, don't get stuck as baby Christians. Don't get stuck as these immature, it's all about me, uh, consumeristic type Christians. Instead, begin to grow, begin to stretch, and and let your spiritual leaders help you do that. The other thing that spiritual leaders help us do is that they care for us. They literally care for us. The word that the Bible uses a lot that we're not quite as familiar with in terms of what it actually means is that they shepherd us. Even growing up here, you know, if you grew up here in, in Lambtown, USA, we don't really understand the concept of shepherding as, as much as they did back then. A shepherd, even though it was, you know, a position, a job that was kind of very low on the social totem pole, so to speak, it was a very important, a very honorable role. Because these shepherds didn't just watch the sheep. They did so much more. They cared for the sheep. They checked the sheep for diseases. They, they made sure that they were being fed, that their need, they, they led them to, as, as Psalm 23 said, they led them to still waters and green pastures. They, they, they really genuinely took care of the sheep. They would build these stone walls that served as pens, that they would gather them all in at night so predators couldn't get them. And it was just this circular stone wall, no door, no gate, just an opening in that wall and what the shepherd would do, the shepherd would literally sleep in that opening so no predators could get through. And then, and also none of them could get out. We hear Jesus tell a story of a, a, a parable of, um, of, of a shepherd who had 100 sheep and one of them was lost. And he left the 99 to find the one because he cared about his sheep so much. A shepherd, a a person who cares for you, a spiritual leader who cares for you will actually go looking for you when you're lost. We'll see you headed down a wrong path and jump out there and and try to keep you from making that mistake. Our shepherds, our, our elders in our church genuinely care for you all. When we come together as elders and we meet, we're not just talking about bills and business and things like that, we spend the vast majority of our time talking about um, you all, not gossiping, but just sharing what your needs are, and we spend time praying for you, praying for you. Because there are times you guys have situations going on in your life that we don't necessarily know the answers to, but we know we serve a God who does have all the answers. And we take your names and your faces to God in prayer. We care for you. I really do. The other reason that we need spiritual leaders is just this: because God expects it. God expects it over and over throughout the New Testament. He commands us to submit to our leaders, to submit to the elders. In fact, let's look at Hebrews chapter thirteen. Hebrews chapter thirteen. It's not on your screen. I'll just read it to you. Uh, Verse seven says this: "says Remember your leaders." those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That those spiritual leaders in your life should be people that you can literally imitate their lives and and grow, you know, further in your faith. It's good to imitate other godly people. That's a good thing. Why? Because godly people are imitating Jesus. Find someone who you connect with in a certain way and and, and you can trust and, and begin to Expose yourself a little bit more to them and and get around them a little bit more often and and begin imitating their lives. That's a good thing. Verse 17 of that same chapter, the writer says this, "Uh, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey and submit to those leaders that we're, we're, we're called. Now, here's the beautiful thing about church life. We don't do leadership. Like I said, we do servant leadership. In other words, we're not, especially when it comes to the elders in this church, we're not power trippers. It's not about how much power we have and what we get to call the shots. It's not, that's not it at all. That Even though uh, you as a congregation are called to submit to you, we willfully submit to you as well. We serve you as a congregation. We're not above reproach. We, 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 are, we will, um, in terms of, we, we are not above a, a word of, of, um, of edification. We, we don't mind you uh, speaking into our lives as well. That we all submit to each other and we all submit to God ultimately. But submit to your leaders, obey your leaders. These are men who, that we as a congregation have chosen to, to pray to teach, to seek God's face on a constant, regular basis about the direction that he would be leading our church. They are men who, who bleed and sweat and cry over this congregation. They care about you. They care about you. It's beautiful when you find a person in your life who genuinely cares about you. There was a, when I was in college, I went to a Christian college, and if you've never been to a Christian college, they're weird um, they really are. <laughs> There's all kinds of rules and stuff, and, and uh, you know, or at least there used to be. But um, anyway, all these rules, and, and I remember I used to back in the day before my time at this particular college. You know, all the guys had to wear a coat and tie to class, and you know, very formal education, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, and over the years, that loosened up, and, and uh, you didn't have to do that anymore. But I remember um, we at one year at college, it was, I think it was my last year at that school we got a new college president. And He sat down with all of the pastoral students. He had a meeting at his house and, and uh, just wanted to encourage us and speak to us and stuff like that. And he said this, would you guys do this? He said, I know, it, I know it's not in the rule book. I know I'm asking you to go above and beyond what, what the rules are. He said, but would you all as pastoral students, would you begin to wear a tie to class every day? And I remember just thinking, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, look, at, I'm not a tie guy, right? I don't wear a tie, a tie wears me, right? And, and, and that, that's, that's that, you know, it was just, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But as he began to speak, this uh, man uh, by the name of Carl, and as he began to speak to us, he, uh, he said, I, I got to tell you, I love you guys so much, and I am so proud of the men that you are and the men that God is, that God are growing you to be. I see more potential in you as the future of the church than I know that you see in yourselves. I look at you and I think our church, the churches of the world are gonna be great because you're in them. And he said this, he said, occasionally we get visitors to the college who are considering you know, investing in the school or things like that. And some of these people are old school people and they're real close-minded. And he said, this is what I know. If you guys just dress up your appearance a little bit, it will help them see in you what I already see in you. And I gotta tell you, as he began to speak into us that way and encourage us and build us up, I would have charged hell with a water pistol for that man. And my faith in him and, and, and my respect for him just grew over over the time I, I knew him. And, and And that's what spiritual leaders help us do. They put so much confidence and encouragement and faith into us that that we feel like there's nothing that we can't do. And this is the other thing. that I, I love that last passage of Acts, that last verse that we read, where it, so he says, um, well, <clears throat> you know, after they promoted these guys as deacons, verse 7, and the word of the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient in faith. This is what happens when when spiritual leaders step up and lead. The word of God goes out in greater ways. The word, if we want to see... This is a truth. This is so true. Don't miss this. If we want to see our church, Living Hope, become all that we know God wants it to be, all it has the potential to be, we need more leaders who will be all about Jesus Christ, who will step up and be men and women of God, and who will lead in ways that honor him and not themselves. And the more people begin to do that in big and small ways, not just as elders, but as, but as, as, as ministers in all kinds of areas of our church life and, and, and servants to the community, and, and the more we step up and lead and do things in big and small ways, the more God can be fully realized, the glory of God can be fully realized in and through this congregation and in, the, in this town. And that is the beautiful thing about spiritual leadership. Now, for some of you, if you're new to Living Hope today, you may be thinking in terms, or, 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 you, it, somebody might think that this would be a weird Sunday for you to visit <clears throat> because we're gonna be getting ready to do something uh, that may seem a little bit weird. Um, but I think it's actually the best Sunday to visit because um, you're getting ready to see um, the kind of the curtain pulled back and see the inner workings of our church it 's like a you, you get an insider 's view uh, you know backstage type of thing going on here today in that today we are going to appoint uh, James Avery as our newest elder and um, we're so excited about that so so excited about that james is a is a guy that I just love him. I consider him a friend. He helps uh, keep my kids in line, which I appreciate. And uh, I mean, he's he's just a great guy. And um, he's he's one of those guys that one of the things I love about him most is that I feel like a bigger, better person after I leave his presence. That he is so positive and so encouraging. That he just speaks encouragement into my life in ways that I'm. Sometimes I could just be like, kind of having a. A mediocre day, and then I I get around James, and when I leave, I'm like, I, like I said about that guy earlier, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I feel like I can. I, there's nothing I can't or God can't do through me. He just encourages me in that way, and he's he's a tremendous. Him and his family are tremendous assets to our church, and we love them. We love them so much. And last week we had a membership meeting and it unanimously approved to bring him on as elder. Today we're going to uh, officially bring him into that role. And I'm so excited. So, James, would you and uh, Dee come forward and your kids too? And I'm going to invite Chris forward. Chris uh, Millard is, is one of our other elders. <laughs> you got your pad this time. And, <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so, wow, you're really embracing that elder thing, aren't you? So it's good. Anyway, so uh, Chris is going to lead us in a charge uh, to, to, to James uh, to becoming our new elder. And then we're going to pray over him. Go
2: ahead, Chris. All right. Don't get too comfortable. You guys have a part in this at the end, too. So, As shepherds and overseers of a local church, elders are entrusted with protecting, leading, equipping, and caring for the church body believers. James, do you covenant with us today to help train up new elders and spiritual leaders according to the criteria assigned to them by the scriptures? I do. Do you, uh, do you covenant to prayerfully seek God's will for our church community steward her resources to the best of your ability based upon your study of the scripture and the following of the spirit i do to care for the church and seek her growth in grace truth and love i do to provide teaching and counsel from the whole of scripture i do do you covenant to equip the members of the church for the work of ministry i do to be on guard against false teachers and teachings i do do you covenant with us today to lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the glory of God, the good of the one discipline, and the health of the church as a whole? I do. Okay, this is your guys' part now. Um, after I read this, if, if uh, the Holy Spirit compels you to answer, we do, then, then by all means do so. And do you, Living Hope Church Covenant, to submit to the spiritual authority of James Avery as an elder... As granted to him by the Scriptures and by you today, for the benefit of your own spiritual growth and the unity and peace of the church.
1: Very good. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pray over him. The Bible uh, actually says w- to lay hands and pray on him, and that will, that's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna beat him up. We're just gonna put our hands on him and uh, and, and pray for him. I'm gonna invite uh, you know his family to do the same to join us in that. And um, so, would you join us in in, in praying for James and for uh, his role in the future of our church this morning? Go ahead. Take take a knee. There you go. There you go. go. All right. Father, uh, we love you so much. And we thank you so much that you have um, provided a leader for us, another leader for us in the person of James Avery. And um, we love him and we love you. And I just ask that you would continue to grow him into the man of God that you have called him to be. God, none of us are perfect, and in fact, we're very imperfect leaders at times, and I'm sure James will be no different, but God, um, I'm so thankful that he's a man that has uh, completely submitted himself to you, and, uh, and with that kind of person, you can do mighty and miraculous things, and so we just trust him and his ministry to you. God, I pray that, uh, that he would be able to draw, help draw people closer to you, that he would help people grow closer to you. God, that you would speak truths through him to people that, that their eyes would be open. God, that He would uh, that his ministry in our church would just be great. God, I also pray for his family that you would just protect them and grow them spiritually as well, and we're so thankful for them. You've given him such a beautiful family uh, to love him and support him, and, uh, and so God, we lift them up as well. God, for us as a church, we ask that you would just continue to lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go, God. That we would be so in touch with your Holy Spirit and so submitted to what can sometimes be that wildfire um, movement of your Holy, Holy Spirit. That we would um, that we would just be in alignment with you and your Word, God. We see what you're doing in our church, how you're growing us, how you are um, how the Word is going out and and people are are coming to faith in you through what's going on here at Living Hope. And God, we're so thankful for that. And God, we, we just want to continue to follow you. So, so be uh, alive and active in our lives and just keep us close, just keep us close. We're so thankful. And we just give you all the praise and glory this morning because you're the only one that deserves it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen. Thank you. So we're gonna... <clears throat> we are... Um, we're going to present uh, this bible to James he's got a big boy bible this morning and it's uh, it's 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 heavy it's a, it's a it's a big bible if it's a good study bible that we hope will just lead you deeper into the word as as you you know as you help us help lead us into the word and uh, so there, I'm going to hand it to you. I handed it to him last week, our last service, and made him give it right back so we could present it to him again. You actually get to keep it this time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's good. And then, um, so I've, I've told James, uh, we're going to give him the last word this morning. And so I want him to kind of give you some encouragement this morning, and, uh, and then I'll let him dismiss us. Uh, but everybody have a great week. Um, I love you all. I love this church so much. Um, James, it's all yours. Thank
3: you. Um, when Jeff first told me I have five minutes, I do have five minutes, right? All right, to speak, uh, I was just tortured by that because five minutes to talk about God just doesn't seem right. Five minutes, not enough time. So, being compulsive like I am, I went home and planned for about an hour's worth of sermon today, right now, and then I realized, okay, can't do that. My wife would be very unhappy. Uh, so, I thought to myself, okay, what is the most important thing that I could talk about? And I chose uh, to talk about just this one, one thing, and that is that um, God loves you unconditionally, completely, and forgives you of all your sins, Everything. He knows everything you've done in the past. He knows everything you're doing right now. And he knows everything you're going to do. And he still forgives you and loves you just the way you are. I want you to think about that because that is an amazing thing. And when you recognize and realize what God, what God has done for you at the cross and how he's made a way for you to have a relationship with God, you can't help but just be grateful and thankful and that's kind of the beginning and the end. But of course, there's more. I mean, God is way bigger than that. He He gives you restoration. He can help you with your sins. He can He can get rid of fear. He can He can change you into someone that you would look at and go, "Wow, I am very proud of the person I've become." And I know in my life, um, you know, my life, my Christian life has been marked with kind of ebbs and flows of, of um, you know, where I was completely in the spirit of God and just loving on everybody, even my enemies, and nothing could bring me down and I'm preaching to everybody and I'm just, you know, because you know, it's easy to do that when you're in church and you're in the word and you're really, really feeling it, but then you go to work or you have problems with your finances or you have problems with school or Wherever you're at and then all of a sudden you're thinking, Well, actually you're not thinking about God at all. You just kinda of go into survival mode and you're yelling at people and being mean and you know and one day I started thinking about my life about how how can I act like that and be a Christian? How can I how does this happen to me? You know, how have I gone from so high to so low and sometimes you know, from one day to the next? And I, and I realize now that I have to be in the Word every single day. And I have to come at least 10 minutes every morning and just come before God and, and just meditate and think and, and focus on the fact that God loves me. And he thinks I'm fantastic. And he has given me everything I need. Everything. He, he knows um, you know what I'm going to face He can give me everything that I need to deal with it And um, he, he restores me Eternal life He gives me everything And when I focus on that stuff I can go out And I can be the man that I want to be And the, the man that God wants me to be And so I want to challenge you today To wake up every morning Give me a week Just a week And see if it doesn't change you and change your life and change who you are because I I'll tell you it, it transformed my life. It trans it, it it I I have had sins that I haven't been able to break for twenty-five, thirty years that I was able to break just by simply praying for ten minutes and just meditating on the power of God and God's word. It it's an amazing thing. Give me one week where you pray every single day for ten minutes about what I just talked about about God. And how wonderful and amazing God is. And see if he can't change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful. I am grateful for this church. I'm grateful for the leadership. I'm grateful for my health. I am grateful for so many. And most importantly, I am grateful for the work you did at the cross. So I could have a relationship with God, and I could tap into that power that you give freely. No price, no cost. They say nothing's for free, but there is something for free, and all we have to do is choose it. I pray today that everyone in this room chooses it. I pray that in Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you.